opportunity to publicly thank Pastor Sean Howard for filling in for me last week. Thank you, Sean. Give him a round of applause. Thank you. I was sick, and I notified Sean Saturday morning-ish, so he had only part of a day to prepare and uh, knocked it out of the park. If you missed Sean's message, it's online. You can listen to it. So thank you very much, Pastor Sean. Also, we are entering into Engagement Watch 2020. We have an engagement to celebrate, none other than Monica Parcell and Steve Phillips. Congratulations. hey they're in our engagement suite back there. Please take a moment to congratulate them and ask them things like, have you set a date and where's your venue? <laughs> Newly engaged couples love hearing things like that. So congratulations to you both. That's exciting. How much fun. We can do it now if you want, right? Yeah, what do you say, huh? We'll give you some time to plan it out. So congratulations. Uh, yes, we are into 2020. Day, what, day five of 2020 here? How y'all doing with your resolutions? That good, huh? All right. Very good. Very good. I, I have some resolutions. Um, one of them is that I'm really trying to spend more time on social media being snarky. So that's, that's one of my resolutions. So just watch out for that. No, that's not, that's not one. Uh, I am a big believer, though, in setting goals for yourself. Uh, it doesn't have to be at the new year. It doesn't have to be a new year's resolution, but to have some some goals, some maybe personal goals, maybe even professional goals. Some spiritual goals are great, too. I'm a big fan of those. Um, so I do have a few simple ones. And here's the thing about setting these goals for ourselves. The more specific we are with our goals, the more obtainable they become, right? The more specific they are, the more obtainable they are. And so, for example, if your goal is, well, I want to eat better in 2020, well, what does that look like? Let's set some parameters on that. Does that mean eliminating certain things and adding certain things to your diet? What does that look like? The more specific we are, the more likely we are to achieve our goals. And so I do have a few simple goals for 2020. Um, I'm going to share one of them with you, <clears throat> one of my 2020 resolutions, and this may sound a little bit uh, strange or maybe even a little bit silly to you, um, but one of my resolutions for 2020 is to count my blessings every day. My mom said, oh, did you hear that? Oh, to count, to count my blessings every day. And I don't mean literally like numbering them one, this, two, that, you know, not so much that. But during my morning prayer time, to spend, to devote some of that time to going over all the ways that God has blessed me. I am blessed. You are blessed. We are blessed. And I want to go over all these ways, just what comes to mind, what's in my heart. Thank you, God, for my wife. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this house. Thank you for our church family. Just realize all the ways that God has, has blessed me and, and blessed our family and blessed our church. And the reason that I'm doing this, this simple discipline, it's a simple thing. It really is. I'm already praying. I might as well devote some of that prayer time to listing these blessings and thanking God for these blessings. The reason that I'm doing this is I'm attempting to cultivate a grateful heart, to have a grateful heart, because gratitude is a powerful, powerful thing. All throughout Scripture, we read about people, uh, the, some of the, the patriarchs in the Old Testament, they devote their prayer time to thanking God. I mean, David specifically, last week in your bulletin, you read a passage from Psalms that was there, and it's David crying out. He says, thanks, thanksgiving, a prayer of thanksgiving, a poem of thanksgiving, these songs of thanksgiving that we sing, and how important it is to have a grateful heart. In the New Testament, we see the same thing. We see Christ himself praying, thank you, God, for giving me these followers. We see this, and, and Paul tells us to, to have that gratitude. It's a grateful spirit. It's a powerful, 
powerful thing. In fact, outside of Christianity, outside of Scripture and the secular world, there have been a number of studies done on the power of gratitude and how that can impact you. There was Harvard Medical School did a study on this and really made a correlation between gratitude and happiness, right? Grateful people are just more happy. And UC Berkeley did a, a study where they had some participants list their blessings and, and list the things that they were grateful for, and they saw how that impacted them. Psychology Today even did a study that made a correlation between gratitude and physical health. And so outside of Christianity, there's this realization that, yes, being grateful Developing that grateful spirit is a powerful thing. And, of course, the scriptures speak to this, how important it is for us, those of us who are believers, followers of Jesus Christ, to be thankful for what God has done for us. Now, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why specifically, all right? I'm going to be real with you all. Why specifically I'm attempting to cultivate a grateful heart. Because in 2020, I don't want to be stressed out. I don't want to be stressed out. I don't want to deal with anxiety. I don't want to deal with worry. I'm done with it, right? And one of the ways to combat stress and anxiety is to be grateful. Think about what you're grateful for. Meditate on what you, you have to be grateful for. This is just how it is. Now, everybody in this room, I, I think, has dealt with anxiety, stress, worry on some level. You know, some of us more than others, maybe some of us in this room have dealt with anxiety on a clinical level, and that's, that's one thing, but all of us know what it's like to have that sense of worry. And listen, that's not the life that God wants for us. In fact, Christ says you're not really adding anything to your life by worrying. What is that? Worrying, you know this. It doesn't accomplish anything. And so sometimes we can loop ourselves into a cycle where we start worrying about something, we feel anxiety about something, and then we feel guilty that we feel worried. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel this way because I'm a Christian. Jesus said not to. Don't worry. Oh, no. Ugh. That's not fruitful or productive, is it, right? To feel guilty about the fact that we feel worried about something, and that causes us even more stress. It's a vicious cycle that we need to break. And so we need to cultivate that heart of gratitude because gratitude is part of what, what brings us to a place of being able to be free from anxiety. Take a look at the scripture passage that's in your bulletin. This is Paul writing this letter to the Philippians, the church in Philippi, and the words that Paul communicates to that church are just as relevant to us today. And Paul is dealing with a number of different issues with this church, but one of the things he's telling them is don't worry about things. Don't be anxious about things. What does it say here? Take a look in your bulletin. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with Let's start at verse 6, beginning with verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay? Isn't that great when you hear that, when you're all worried about something? It's like, well, calm down, stop worrying, just stop. Well, that's not very helpful. Give me more than that, Paul. Unfortunately, in this case, he does give us more than just saying, don't. Don't be anxious. He says, don't be anxious, but instead be something else. But instead do something else. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... In everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is giving us here, it's almost a formula. Now, it can be a little bit dangerous to see like some of what we read in Scripture as formulaic, but it, it, it's pretty much a formula that Paul gives us. He says, if you'd like to exchange your anxiety for peace, here's what you do. 
And there's some disciplines. There's instructions to follow you. Here's how you trade off your anxiety and instead receive peace. Now, I should note here that the kind of peace that Paul's talking about is not just a, a kind of feeling calm about things temporarily. You know, there is a kind of peace that we can experience, a worldly peace. You know, when everything's going just great and all of our relationships are in good order and everybody's healthy, how often does that happen, right? How often do you experience that? Maybe as a kid, you're like, hey, everything's great, right? But not for long, right? You spend enough time on this planet and something's going to be wrong. There's going to be relational distress or health distress or something's going to be not quite right. And what Jesus promises to us, in fact, he promised this at the Last Supper. He promised to give us his peace. And his peace, as Paul describes it here, it transcends all understanding. In other words, it's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's a peace that exists in the midst of trials and tribulation. It's a peace that you can experience when your world is falling apart around you. Even before, listen, even before God has changed your circumstances, even before God has solved the problem, whatever that problem is, you can experience this peace, the peace from Christ, the peace that doesn't make sense, a peace that transcends our ability to understand it. So here's what you have to do. Here I'm, I'm going to read verse 6 again, okay? And I'd like you to pay attention to this recipe for peace, all right? And I'm going to eliminate one of the ingredients, right? I'm going to take one of the ingredients away, and it's going to sound complete. It's going to sound like a complete recipe without this ingredient. It's going to sound like a complete formula, even if I subtract a couple words. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Doesn't that sound like, you know... That's what Christians are told to do. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. Don't worry about it. Pray about it, right? Present your requests to God. Make your petitions. In fact, Jesus in the Gospels, he tells the story. He tells lots of parables. He tells lots of stories. He tells a parable about this, this woman who's seeking justice from an unjust judge, and she just knocks on that door day and night, day and night, day and night, petitioning. Give me justice. Give me what I deserve. And eventually, he caves in. And Jesus says, you can approach God that same way. Keep knocking at his door. Petition, petition, petition. Pray, pray, pray. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And that's what we're invited to do. God has given us permission to do just that. But here's the thing about that. Sometimes that can be even more anxiety-producing, can it? You get fixated, fixated on the situation, the circumstances that are wrong. God, help me with this. God, help me with this. God, help me with this. Why haven't you helped me yet? I know that you're going to help me, and I have faith in all that, but God, I'm still in this situation. Solve this problem. Fix these circumstances. They're still not fixed. God, please fix them. Please fix them. I'm petitioning you. I'm petitioning you. Whatever the circumstances are, I don't know. Whatever the problem is. God, I'm cold, and I can't pay my heat bill, and I'm still cold, and I'm still praying. I'm praying about this, and I'm just somehow, somewhere, bring somebody into my life that's going to write me a check or, or put some money in my bank account or, or, or do a miracle with Pico. I don't know, God, but you've got to solve this problem, solve this problem. So wait, 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 wait. We're allowed to petition God. But let's put that not-so-secret ingredient back into these prayer requests. By prayer and petition with Oh, we just have a little audience participation. Isn't that fun? <laughs> By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Now, some people interpret this passage and say, well, you should really be thanking God. Whatever you're asking for, whatever you're petitioning, you should thank God in advance, having faith that he will answer your prayers. Sure, that's one way to see that. And in fact, elsewhere in Scripture, we are instructed specifically to do just that, to have faith and thank God in advance. But I think, I think what Paul's talking about is a little bit different. 
It's when you're doing your prayers, when you're, you're entering into this time of petition and prayer, don't forget to bring that Thanksgiving piece into your prayer time. Don't forget that. Don't forget the Thanksgiving piece. Yeah, you're doing your prayers and petitions, but with, with the ingredient of Thanksgiving. Think about this. All right, same scenario. I can't pay my heat bill, but God, please solve this problem. And I'm lifting it up to you, and I'm praying to you, and I'm, I'm down on my knees, and I'm lifting up holy hands, and God, solve this problem. But you know what, God? I've got a roof over my head, and I thank you for that. And I've got people that love me in my life, and I'm thankful for that. And I've got a church that supports me, and they're not judgmental of me, and I'm thankful for that. And I've got this, and I'm thankful. Whoa. That's where the peace comes from. You see, this stuff, this goes beyond just in theory. This kind of sounds lofty. Okay, this kind of makes sense in theory. No, realistically, the discipline of thanking God for what he's done for you brings us peace and alleviates that anxiety even before the circumstances have changed. God, I'm still sitting in this house and I'm still cold because I can't pay my heat bill, but I've got peace. I've entered into this discipline of thanksgiving, and that's, that's brought me your peace. There's comfort and bringing to mind and bringing back into your spirit all the things that God has done for you, all the ways that God has blessed you. And that's certainly true of us as a collective, as a church. If you're a part of this thing, a part of Hope Community Church, my goodness gracious, we look at all the ways that God has blessed us. And entering into 2020, there is a big old temptation for stress and anxiety. I don't know if you're aware of this yet, but we're going to make a big move this year, right? We're going to move into a building, and it's a fixer-upper, and there's a big temptation to be stressed out about that. Oh, my goodness, I think we need a new roof. I didn't think we needed a new roof, but it looks like we probably need a new roof, and we've got to fix these walls, and we've got to create classrooms for the kids, and where are we going to pay for all this stuff, and we've got to do this, God, solve these problems, solve these problems, God. No. No, we can lift those things up to God and then thank Him for how far He's brought us thank Him for all the ways that He has blessed us as a church. Just on Friday, I sent out an email, and if you're, if you're not on our email list, um, please just email us. I think our address is in there, info at hopeccdelco.com. It's right there, and we'll get you on our list. But I sent out our end-of-year report and our 2020 budget, and this is something I do every year. And I'll be honest with you, it's something that takes me the better part of a day to do, <laughs> to go back and look through our calendar and try to just highlight some of the things that we've accomplished together as a church through Jesus Christ. I'm going to share some of these with you. I don't know if you had a chance to, to look at that email yet. But here's some of the things that we've done together as a church that are worth celebrating. We continue to our support of Loaves and Fishes. We've given food there. We've given volunteer support. This Prospect Park Elementary School thing that we do, the backpack drive, this is a powerful thing. We're helping feed people in our own community, people who are in need. We provide some financial assistance to people within our own community here. And that's always an awkward thing to mention, by the way, right? Because I'm not going to, oh, stand up if you received the check from the church. That's just awkward. We can't do that, right? But we have. We've been able to help people make ends meet, and that's, that's part of the function of a church is to help, help each other out. We've been able to do that. Our community support team, I can't even tell you how many families that that team has helped providing meals and care and just love for neighbors who are in need. Let's see what else. We had a baptism service. That happened fairly recently. We have five people baptized. Praise God. Are we praising God? Praise God. We are. 
We did those hygiene kits for people who have been impacted by natural disasters. We participated in Operation Christmas Child, sending Christmas gifts around the world to kids who are in need. We sent a team of 10 to North Carolina. That seems like ancient history. Do you remember that? You remember that? that let's give some real applause for that. Yeah, all right? This, this little church sent a team of 10 down there in the wake of Hurricane Florence to help get people back in their homes. And we we're all a part of that as a church. We sent a team of five to Kenya. Yeah, you know Kenya, like halfway around the world, Kenya. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We're praising God for these things. And, and that team of five, through, through our collective support as a church, we're able to, to distribute these water filters. And we have no way of calculating how many lives have been saved, not just impacted, but saved because they received this clean water filtration system. Praise God for that. And not only that, in Kenya, collectively as a church, we sent funding over and we were able to provide six weeks of meals for a school of 400 children in an IDP camp. Praise God. Praise God. And take a look at 2019. How many of you, for the, for a lot of you for the first time, you read the Bible that's, that's no small thing. You've read the Bible. And to those of you who have completed that chronological Bible reading challenge, well done. Congratulations are in order. Absolutely. And now you just need to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out what it means, okay? That's how that works, right? That's how that works. And we're all in that together. We're all still figuring this out, learning together. But praise God for that. Oh, and there was something else that happened. God gave us this building, this property, a $2.5 million property. Goodness. God, you are good. He is great. What do we have to be stressed out about? Why would we feel anxiety? This God is on our side. As long as we stay on his side, praise God. And friends, listen, these are just, this is just an overview of some of the things that we're able to quantify that happened over the course of 2019. But there's so many more reasons we have to be grateful, genuinely grateful to God in our spirits. Think about all the life change that you experienced. Think about the conversations that you had with, with people in the church that have satisfied your soul. And think about the relationships you've developed. Think about the tough talks that you've had with people who are outside of Christianity. Think about all the wonderful things, all the wonderful ways that God has blessed you as an individual and as a family. We have so much to be grateful for. Our God is faithful. Our God has blessed us in so many ways. And today, being the first Sunday in a new year, we are going to celebrate God's greatest blessing, God's greatest gift to us. Today, we are going to celebrate communion and remember the gift that has been extended to us, the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, the, the gift of forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. At the Last Supper, the last time that Jesus gathered together with his disciples, they were gathered together. They were there to participate. This is the day before he died, the day before he was crucified, the night before he was crucified. They gathered together to celebrate the Passover. That was a Jewish custom. It's a holiday that God told them to celebrate. It was a time where they were gathered around and they were supposed to be remembering how God redeemed the Israelites, saved them, called them out of slavery in Egypt, and gave them freedom. They're supposed to remember that time. They're supposed to remember that night where, where God sent his angel of death across the land of Egypt. But God spared all the children of Israel. 
God commanded the Israelites to take the blood of an innocent lamb and, and spread it over their door, and that angel of death would pass over their homes and not impact them and not take anyone away. That's why they call the celebration Passover. So they were supposed to be remembering that together, Jesus and his disciples. They were supposed to be remembering how they, how they had to make bread quickly, in haste. They didn't have time to add yeast. They didn't have time for the dough of the ride. They had to make that, that flat bread and just run and get out of there because they were about to be saved, about to be saved from slavery. So Jesus and his disciples, they gather together to remember that time, and Jesus changes things. And he takes that bread, and he says to them, this is my body. I'm breaking for you. Take this. And now when you gather together and celebrate, take this and remember me. Jesus took the cup, and there was that cup of wine, and they were supposed to remember the blood of the lamb that was spread on the door, and Jesus said, no, from now on, remember me. This is the cup of the new covenant, the new arrangement between God and humankind. This is my blood that I am shedding for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take this and drink it, and whenever you gather together and celebrate this, remember me. Listen, I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know the details. Maybe if you tried to count your blessings, it would be very difficult, but here's what I do now. Those of us, those of you who have found salvation in Jesus Christ, you always have that to be grateful for, what Christ has done for you. If it's tough to list those blessings, I don't know, God. I'm just, there's so many troubles in my life, and I can't, well, at least we have this, the greatest gift of all, the promise of salvation, the promise of eternal life that Jesus has given us. Let's prepare our hearts to receive communion. Lord Jesus Christ, we do thank you for all that you have done for us as individuals, as families, as a church. And if we sat down, God, and just tried to list all these blessings, it would take us forever. You are good. You are faithful. You have blessed us in abundance. Our cup overflows with blessings from you, God. But the greatest gift of all is you, Jesus, what you have done for us and the relationship that we have with you. You took on the penalty for our sins. You paid off the debt that we owed your Father God, and you have given us eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for us and all that you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.